going on it's matt cam back yes sir duo again um and we're gonna go over uh police accountability um this is a pretty interesting topic i'm um, meaning to talk about this one for a while yeah because this there's there's a lot of different ways that you can look at police accountability um and we're gonna we're gonna try to look at multiple different angles of that yeah um we'll talk about a little bit on how you know, police officers, police agencies do internal police accountability um, and then do some how how other people may expect it, rather it's realistic, rather it's not. Um, and, you know. Uh, newsflash, there's a lot of ideas out there that are really bad. I'm just going to. Yeah. Or like cool. they think police accountability is the issue. And by trying to address that, we let go of criminal accountability and we'll talk about that a little bit as well there may be some news on that recently for sure so without further ado uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh an interesting article that we had talked about mm-hmm. you uh you myself and chris um so arizona recently passed a bill bless arizona such a good state. And and it's it's pretty interesting. So it's titled that Arizona law bans people from recording police within eight feet. Now, yeah. I saw this and I was like, I know there's going to be. I saw this knowing that I know I'm familiar with laws and I knew there was going to be exceptions, right? Uh-huh. It was like pause. Just think, like, let the listeners just pause. Right. What did you think when Cam just said that? angry were you for it yeah we're gonna give some few points very interesting um i saw it and i was like that's awesome that 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 needs to happen and and for for those that aren't in law enforcement let me paint a little bit of a picture for you when you tell people that they can record police um for whatever reason they feel like they can come stand over the top of you while you're putting someone in handcuffs you can get so like Get your name off of your carrier. Yeah, right? like right up in your face. Now, imagine if, if you know, you yourself don't like people in your personal bubble. Now, imagine someone doing that to you while you're working. Um, it, it's very irritating. It's very distracting. Officer safety is a very real issue with that, it. That's a major concern with that. And, and it's not, um, and we're going to get into a little bit. Um, let me just skip ahead real quick. I finished that there was um, a neighboring state that then released an article and they title it in an era of transparency, Arizona law limits filming police. Oh, obviously clickbait and <laughs> off of the comments and reactions. It's, it's successful because a lot of people aren't reading articles or actually researching it. Good job, media. You did your job. Way to go. And it's, it's very frustrating in the aspect of eight feet isn't that far away. That still is too close for comfort for a lot of officers. If you're not familiar with what a 21-foot rule is, take a look. Basically, it, it 
breaks down scientifically that if someone's with 21 feet or closer and they decide to run at you with a knife, they will stab you before you can shoot them based off of perception, reaction times, all sorts of stuff. Now this person can get eight feet from you. At least they've got this in mm-hmm. place. In right. other states, they don't have that. Nothing. But they can get within eight feet, act like they're recording, and say they really mean to do you harm. Yeah, and, and just so everyone understands, nationwide, this is mostly a discretion thing. When you're on scene as an officer, your officer safety will come first. You have to handle your investigation. We get the hecklers. We get the people that pull out their cell phones immediately. We get the people who uh, want to give commentary while they're videoing, saying, what are you going to do, shoot them? You know, they, they, they try to bait you in. And for the most part, it's a discretionary thing. You don't, you know, everyone thinks that, no, you can get as close as you want because they don't have yellow tape up. Let me ask you something. Just use your common sense. When, how often do you see yellow tape? If you see yellow tape up as a regular citizen, you just have stumbled upon a gnarly scene because that is the police trying to keep everyone and their dog out of the scene because there is something to process. Most police contact is going to be what you see on a daily basis, your neighbor's house, over at the supermarket, um, on the street with a traffic stop. That's your day in and day out police contact. And so if you get too close into our space and our investigation, yeah, we're as an officer safety thing, we're going to tell you to get back. And it's going to be a discretionary thing as to how long or how far to tell them to go. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, going. <laughs> that's funny you bring up yellow tape because CSI, it's, it's every scene. Every scene. But yeah, for us, it's, it's usually a, by the time detectives arrive. How much yellow tape do you think they go through? That's a lot. Yeah, they, I might, mean, they might reuse it. I don't know. Budget I, cuts. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood. Um, so going back to, to this whole eight-foot thing, eight feet playing close. You can zoom in. Your recording definitely will pick up what's being said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, honestly, a lot of officers might even ask you to step back from there. Um, but like I said, I knew there was going to be exemptions or exceptions uh, to this. Um, and I think that's some some of the people's concern because it says within eight feet. So then people are going to say, oh, so we can't record them when they're harassing us. and Or if they stop us on traffic stop, we're within eight feet. That's Again, funny. Read the, read, read the law, right? So um, there are exceptions to um, this law. And for... So this the, is key. Yep. Here are the exceptions. For people on private property, in a vehicle stopped by police, or those who are subject to police contact, as long as they do not interfere with the officer's actions. So if an officer comes up to you while you're minding your own business, intoxicated, falling over on the sidewalk... You can record them. If they stop you on a traffic stop, you can record them. If they're on your property, you can record them. Um, mm. Crazy, right? Yeah, so really this is mainly for those looky-loos who just want to cause issues mm-hmm. is really what this is for. Um, and please, like I said, it's an officer safety thing. Yeah, please understand, most law-abiding citizens, this is nothing but a little speck that they need to brush off their shoulder. It's not a big deal. But it does come down to officer safety. Nowadays, I, I am so concerned as to where 
state by state legislation is going in terms of officer safety stuff. Please don't endanger your officers. Please let them do what they need to do. Eight feet is not a big deal. And unfortunately, like this absolutely ridiculous news article as a knee-jerk reaction from another state commenting on Arizona, that's ridiculous. It is not, this is not a transparency issue. Eight feet, you're not going to have any more transparency at four feet than what you would have at nine feet. You're actually going to have a bigger area, a bigger perception. Yeah. Kind of crazy. But Get the building behind it. And yeah. Nice maybe little the, backdrop. Maybe the other person on the other side of the street that has their phone out as well. Yeah, you know, like, how they like to, like, crop out, like, their officer's doing something wrong, but the whole image yeah. actually shows everything. It's weird. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's a good thing. Yes. Again, we, we saw this and we said, man, step in the right direction. Hopefully many states follow. Yes. It's it's needed. Officer it gives officers that, for those of you who don't, don't understand, yeah, we can, when someone comes up and we're like, hey, I need you to step back, officer safety type thing, people will usually take a half a step back, and then you got to tell them again, and they start getting really agitated as you have them go back you and forth. got to tell them again. If you can turn around and say state law mandates you stay back eight feet, Boom, done. That, that it's so much easier. And you have yeah. you have more of a to try to, you know, if someone is is invading that space and you're telling them officer safety, officer safety, step back, to be able to articulate that they're an obstruction of justice, you've got to really articulate how they are. Mm-hmm. Now you have a law like, hey, if if I have to tell you again, you're gonna be charged for the you know, violating that law. It yeah. just gives that officer a little bit to help help with that officer safety because otherwise they know that there's a lot of articulation an officer has to do in order to articulate and why. And nowadays it's really just a, it's a, it's a pride thing. It's, it's like, you ain't going to tell me what I know my rights. And it, if you would just listen, if people would just listen and recognize that there are reasons that officers do this type of thing, you can have your mind jump to the conclusion that you're trying to hide something. It has nothing to do with that. And situation after situation, officers are put in, especially nowadays, how often do you have a cell phone put up in your face? on Like, like on a daily. Yeah. On a daily, it is getting to that point where somewhere, someone has a phone out. May not always be the individuals that you're dealing with in any given situation, but I swear to everything... It, whether it's a neighbor or whether it's a passerby, we have cars stop in the middle of the road. You have now violated the law by stopping your daggum car. And it's such a, don't even get me started. It's such a pet peeve. I may or may not have experienced this within the last few days. I, I, I don't know. But you stop in the middle of the roadway while you're driving because you think that you have a right to look at the investigation that's going on on the side of the road. And then you pull your phone out. And we have to... We have to now address you when we're already addressing someone else, telling you to keep driving, and then you just wanted to give your little two cents as to what you think of cops. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Just be considerate. Let us do our job. Please understand that the world doesn't revolve around you knowing everything. Yeah, and again, there's on, on, on both sides of the spectrum, there's been several times where the videos have panned out that... Man, what was the officer thinking? Yes. But again, from eight feet, still see it. You can still see it. Still see it. Moving on to another state. Here's a little bit more 
news. This came from the Police Tribune. This is a little shout-out. We do have some listeners up in Washington who are law enforcement. This is our little shout-out to you. We're, we're, th- we're thinking, we're thinking about you as you. we read this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Please understand, my heart is bleeding for you. This comes from Olympia, Washington, Police Tribune. Law-breaking drivers in Washington State have ignored police officers' attempts to pull them over and kept going on more than 900 occasions so far this year. Nine, over 900. The Washington State Patrol, WSP, said that incidences of drivers refusing to stop for troopers, lights and sirens, has skyrocketed and continues to increase. The law enforcement agency, just one agency in the state of Washington, we're talking only WSP, said it logged 934 failure to stop for officers. Now get this. This is the crazy part. Between January 1st and May 17th of 2022. Let me break that down for you because I love numbers. 934 incidents just in that time span, you were looking at at least seven evadings a day. Seven evadings. For one agency. For one agency. This article goes into other agencies, but we'll just, I think you can kind of see there's a problem here. Where is this coming from, you might add? Well, the statistic isn't one that WSP tracked in past years. But better, veteran law enforcement officers all over the state have said there has been a dramatic increase in drivers fleeing traffic stops since, what do you think it is? Cam, what do you think it is? <laughs> I'm going to pause. Let's, okay. pa- let's pause. Let's pause. Let's have, why? Let's, let's, have, let's have everyone else guess real quick yeah. for it. You know. Why do you think that this has increased? We, talk amongst yourselves. Legislation. Let me, let me break this down. Please, this is why I said my heart bleeds for my Washington brothers. House Bill 1054, which was pre-filed by Representative Jesse Johnson, Democrat, at a 30th district on Christmas Eve 2021, would completely prohibit the use of all chokeholds and neck restraints, even in deadly force situations. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, there's a lot to this. It's not just about what we're going to lead up to as to why people aren't stopping for police on traffic stops. This bill talks about a lot. And you're like, well, chokeholds and neck restraints, yeah, that, that shouldn't be allowed at all. Except the bill is also saying, even in deadly force situations, Okay, it's okay to shoot someone in a deadly force situation, but if the officer's life is in danger and they can't get to their firearm, a chokehold is never okay? Never. That's part of the bill. Police would no longer be allowed to use unleashed canines for the purpose of arresting or apprehending suspects, and tear gas would not be permitted for any purpose under the proposed legislation. Now, please understand that a lot of this legislation ended up going through newsflash for everyone. The bill also took aim at military equipment. Any law enforcement, this is a quote, any law enforcement agency in possession of military equipment shall return the equipment to the federal agency from which it was acquired, if applicable, 
or destroy the equipment by December 31st, 2022. Okay, let me jump to the point that I'm reading this to let you know that this bill had a lot of gnarly, I don't, you can call it progressive all you want. I call it, huh? Police would not be allowed to engage in vehicle pursuits unless they have probable cause. Okay, Cam, reasonable suspicion, probable cause. Break it down for our listeners. You got reasonable suspicion that a, a crime is being committed, may have been committed, that you're in the presence of someone who potentially could have been part of those, right? Mm-hmm. Probable cause, you've taken it a step further. Yeah. You got evidence. Yeah. You have articulable facts showing that the individual that you're looking at was a part of something. Keep this in mind for what I'm about ready to read. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say reasonable suspicion is a, a pretty low standard. Probable cause is the level we have to hit in order to get like a warrant. So in order to or go charge. in someone's, yep. yeah, someone's house or something, we have to have probable cause of why we're going to go in there. You right. know, we can't just be like, I think there's a homicide suspect in there. Right. No, you've got to right. articulate yes. why. Yes, there it is a step up. So again, going back to the Police Tribune news article talking about this house bill. Police would not be allowed to engage in vehicle pursuits unless they have probable cause to believe that the suspect, quote, committed or is committing a violent offense or sex offense. And pursuing them is, quote, necessary for the purpose of identifying or apprehending them according to the bill. But again, you have to understand that probable cause makes all of that difficult. It's almost like doing an investigation backwards. Mm -hmm. That's what they're putting these officers in the position of going back to the news article, officers would still be prohibited from pursuing such uh, suspects, sorry, pursuing such suspects unless they could also determine that quote, the safety risks to failing to apprehend or identify the person are considered to be greater than the safety risks associated with the vehicle pursuit. Because we're mind readers as to what potentially the individual would do in a vehicle pursuit, right? In addition to that, we have to be mind readers as to what they potentially could do to someone else if we didn't pursue them in a vehicle pursuit. So basically what they're doing is saying, you need that probable cause. Well, guess what that does? It completely shuts down pretty much any opportunity to do a vehicle pursuit for any reason. Without breaking it down completely for all of you, that's really what this legislative bill would do. And this was put into effect the bill would bar police from shooting at any moving vehicle unless the officer is facing an imminent threat of harm due to because someone inside the vehicle is using a deadly weapon against them. However, the moving vehicle itself would not be considered to be a, quote, deadly weapon under the bill. So basically, the suspect could drive directly at an officer in, an, in either in his vehicle, her vehicle, or while they're outside and they cannot shoot at a moving vehicle and consider that a vehicle coming at them is a deadly weapon. Everyone catch that? Uniformed officers would also be prohibited from doing anything to intentionally cover, conceal, or obscure their badge number. That should be common sense. Or other identifying information while on duty. I'm okay with that. I didn't even know officers were doing that. 
But let me, again, break this down. 934, just one agency in the state of Washington. What do you think this has done? Well, the news article goes on to explain that this has actually upset the community. Weird, right? That's so strange. Yeah. Um, Because all these individuals that just are doing it, I mean, there was a guy that called in. He was being pursued by an officer, right? He called into dispatch and said, you need to call them off. And basically said he only had like a driver's license violation, uh, basically driving on a suspended license, something like that, and said he's in violation of this house bill. By law, you need to call him off. This is what we're creating. This is what bad legislation creates nationwide. Man, my heart bleeds for any officer trying to do the right thing for citizens that have something happen to their property or, heaven forbid, one of their family members. Because unless that officer, and, and here's how it was explained. I know I read this from one of our Washington uh, brothers in law enforcement up there, but he was explaining that basically you could be responding to an incident of even a uh, bank robbery. Let's just give that one out, right? Or I mean, even so much as a kidnapping. Now, this bill gives a little wiggle room, but it still requires probable cause for an officer to come to the area. And it's like, do you have the description? We don't have the complete description of the suspect. But we know that information provided by dispatch for anyone that's calling in for help and support, they give a description of the suspect, last known direction. Did they get into a car? There's a lot of things considered. But what if that individual can't articulate all of it? And maybe they gave a little vague information. Officers arriving to the area in most other jurisdictions, if it's even close, it's okay to detain someone or make contact with someone until you have determined this is not them. Thank you. We apologize. This is going on. Please be on your way. Let us know if you have any questions. Most people don't have a problem with that. Right. The Washington officers are now being put into a, like you are doing an investigation backwards and hello, There have been a lot of problems. Citizens are calling in and even to the point where state legislators are like, maybe we should revise this and maybe we should appeal some of this bill. Guess where it was shot down? Washington State Senate. So many realized with all these complaints coming in from citizens saying that this is bad for policing, this is bad for the community and giving multiple examples, apparently it got all the way up to the state Senate and they were like, nope, we're not appealing it. It's very interesting, and and to break it down, um, going back to that kidnapping, you know, just to really, I know you broke it down several times on what the differences are, but in that kidnapping scenario, say that person says the person took someone, they got into a a red passenger car and left at a high rate of speed. Say you're responding to that neighborhood, you see a red passenger car driving fast, that's reasonable suspicion. Yes. Okay? That's not enough to stop with this law. Probable cause would be the the headlights miss one headlights missing. It's got this bumper sticker on it, and you can there's two occupants in it. He's wearing a red beanie. Exactly, he had a black beard. He had yellow sunglasses, and he had jagged teeth. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, that is for you to understand. If you're not in law enforcement, those are the differences. Now imagine trying to be an officer and deal with that. Reasonable suspicion happens all the time. As far as um, say you do see a red car driving at high rate of speed, pull them over. Clearly not them. Hey, apologize. You have a good day. 
on to the next, right? Um, probable cause. Can you imagine being a citizen where you're like, I just saw them pass the guy. I, I told you what to look for. And it's mm. like, sorry. Mm. Uh, pay attention to who you vote for next time. Brothers and sisters in Washington. That would be rough. I feel for you. And and where, where people are kind of understanding, because this isn't the only state dealing with this. Philadelphia is dealing with a major issue with uh, they've got like ATV and dirt bike gangs just rolling through the city because no big deal. There's Whatever. little that they yeah. can do there. No big deal. They've put a huge stop on proactive policing um, and they've dubbed it as and where this fits into this this whole topic today, this discussion is uh, police accountability. And they've dubbed it as uh, it's officers police accountability when it comes to um, discretion against this all started with the, the black and brown communities and stuff. Yes. And this isn't the issue. And that's part of what we wanted to talk about with police accountability on how all of a sudden we're letting criminal accountability go out the window. And we're just saying it's because of police it's all accountability. Because of police. We are not the reason that these people are breaking the law. We've talked about this in past episodes. We can have common ground. We started this podcast and we told all of you, that we would be transparent. We told all of you that we were ready to talk about why we do what we do, all the things that we do what we do. And we're, we're, we're basically throwing that olive branch out and saying, meet us halfway, but to only put it on the police. It's easy to point the finger, look at the police officers and the government officials and say, you guys are the problem. We're the reason that these crimes are being committed. Is that it? Or we're trying to make a better life for the area that we serve. I think there's a big difference and there's middle ground. And like Cam said, it has started this unfortunate uh, nationwide, quote unquote, police reform call by many, many groups. But the finger is only being point at law enforcement. At what point do we realize that within our social realm and all of there's so many different levels to social issues, right? But the sexy right now is to point the finger at law enforcement and be like, you guys are the problem. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting to kind of see, see how it's going because, and, and one of the things I want to talk about is police accountability internal. Um, rather, that's a complaint that comes in or... Um, something that one officer sees another officer do or a supervisor sees an officer do or whatever it is. Um, there is, and by the way, the point of this is to let you guys know we hold each other accountable and we, th there are checkpoints in place within departments and agencies that says we're not going to put up with this. Yeah, and in the state as well, um, through states have their post, um, which is going to deal with taking the certification of the officer away and they can look at criminal charges and all that stuff there. There's very little, um, that does not like a, a bad cop more than a good cop. Absolutely. Uh, it's very frustrating for, for me. I know for you, Matt, and I know for several other officers that I've talked to when an officer does something wrong somewhere in the country and you're like, oh, man, wh what were you thinking? And, you know, we start kind of going after, like, why didn't you do this? What about that? Because it has an effect. One officer does enough of an issue um, 
then that affects law enforcement all the way like across the the country in times. Um, and I just want people to know that these things, at least with our agency, I know that they're, they're looked into very seriously. Not every agency is created equal, but if you feel like, you know, an agency isn't doing that, there's checks in place. Like we've said, there's a post, which there's is also, ran by the state. There's also uh, federal laws. I mean, and we, we can get in to that point after Cam makes his points, but just to set it up, 1994, the Violent Crime Control Act was passed within the United States. Go ahead and do your research, and it goes through a ton. But one of the reasons that that was put into place was to hold police agencies accountable, and it tells it demands that they keep track of certain behaviors and if the agency continues to have a pattern of behavior one way, and it, and if officers continue to have a pattern of behavior in a specific way, and everyone talks about police brutality or maybe agencies not taking that, um, this allows the federal government to start looking into it mm. and, and demand that these agencies make changes. And so, again, these things are out there. It's not that we're just, it's the Wild West and these agencies aren't doing anything inward, but we'll talk about the outward portion a little bit later yeah you have most agencies have policies um that cover like if i see you do something wrong i'm required to step in and notify a supervisor most states have that in place as well um all of these things are are well articulated and so for for transparency purposes these investigations internal investigations, IAs is what most people call them, internal right. affairs investigations. Um, they can stem all the way from an officer driving too fast down the road um, to using excessive force to um, grabbing some property, not booking it into evidence per the way it's supposed to be put in. Uh, it, it covers all different, all different levels, and there's usually even more checks and balances in place where we also have, you know, anytime there's any sort of use of force, that's automatically going in front of a board of elected officials, officers of all different ranks. Like, there, there are a lot of internal checks in place for agencies to try to verify this. You know, critical incident task force for officer-involved shootings. Those are not investigated by the agency involved, and they're usually headed up by the district attorney office, their lead investigator. He's the one who, or he or she is the one that leads that investigation with the critical incident task force. You know, there's, there's tons of checks and balances in place. It's a ton in the, in the 10 years that I've been in law enforcement, I have never seen, nor have I ever heard of anything within our department or even in our area where things were just swept underneath the rug and they were protecting. Um, There are, certain little incidents where it got a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and it wasn't just sweeping under th- things underneath the, the rug. There were uh, agencies that needed to have other agencies step in and be like, no, th- now this is a criminal investigation. That's not what I'm talking about though, in terms of, of just absolutely covering for officers and actually uh, covering for an officer's action with any, any given situation. 10 years I've never seen, nor have I heard, especially not in our department. Well, and what's interesting is, and uh, I won't obviously go into exact numbers or names or anything, but in, in the 
since my career, um, there's been a few officers that have been terminated from internal investigations. Yeah. They start, which means it didn't come in from a civilian calling in the complaint. It was the police department holding their own accountable, looking into it yep. and saying, you no longer work for us. And, you know, and, and you know why. Yep. Yeah. And, and hopefully, I mean, people understand there's a lot of information that will never come out because, uh, now here, here's, follow me here. <laughs> Many of the incidents that you're talking about where we have held certain individuals accountable, it hasn't really even come in from a citizen complaint or anything like that. It's, it's the police policing themselves within their own agency on information that they received and they took action before anything was even remotely complained upon, right? The reason that you probably as citizens don't hear more because the individual who either was fired or forced to resign or saw the writing on the wall and chose to resign before that fire could come, that firing could come, do you think on the outside they're going to freely give information and say, yeah, I really messed up and here's what I did to the average citizen who may ask why they're no longer a police officer? No, they're going to say, you know, it just wore on me and, and I just couldn't do the job anymore. I decided to go in the private sector. I will tell you that that happens commonly and because they aren't, <clears throat> excuse me, upfront with what they're saying that they left the department for, why they had to leave the department, the general public usually won't know because they're not going to go in and try to pull uh, records and think that there was an IA involved. And so if it's never brought to the public's attention, the public will probably think, well, I never hear about this stuff. So they probably are protecting their own. Well, and, and <clears throat> while, while all of that is a hundred percent accurate, it's just, again, to try to show that transparency is there um, in these circumstances where it does get serious enough where, um, and I say serious enough, that doesn't mean an officer is, you know, beating up juveniles in a, in an alleyway not, and stuff. They're always talking about police to, brutality. Yeah, yeah. To, to get terminated from, from law enforcement, albeit, uh, I mean, I'll keep my opinions to myself on the type of officer you have to be, but um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like a huge crime of the century to get terminated. You know, if your integrity is shot during an actual investigation, you're done. Uh, yes. and, and we don't need to go into the details of what would be required if you stayed in law enforcement, what a prosecutor would have to do every time you take a stand is basically they have to tell the jury and the judge that you've been found to not be truthful. Oops. Yeah. Good luck winning any sort of court case at that point. And, and good luck finding another agency that's going to take you on when they found out that you were found to be untruthful. Yeah. So if you get to that level of where, you know, the agency's looking at terminating you or they say, Hey man, it might be beneficial that you resign. Basically saying, if you don't resign, you're probably going to be terminated. Those types of things more than likely that's been reported to post and there will be a, some sort of public information release right. on that. Right. So I don't want people to think that we try to hurry up and terminate someone. So, no one knows that this agency had a bad apple or anything. Yes, good there, point. There Very still is point. transparency out there, even for those that, that do go that route. Yes, and that is 100% accurate. Um, all of these things that Cam has mentioned and that he's talking about, please understand the majority of the agencies that I know 
take action like this, especially within our area. But I've heard of, you know, I've got family members that work for agencies in other states, and I've talked with them, and I know stories in terms of, of some of their close coworkers and times that they had to, had to leave. They had to leave. And it's not always about police brutality. Here's, <clears throat> I think, Cam hit upon the N-word, but the majority of when you hear police accountability, the majority of people are going to think the outward. It has to be outward because we don't trust the police to police themselves. And so we need organizations that come up with uh lobbyists that go after politicians to change legislation and it's protests and so we understand that there are things that aren't immediately given to the public and I can see where the public would say no more we need transparency and we we need to know the whys and kind of like what we talked about last episode with most things that have to do with law enforcement, it's not going to be done in a one-hour episode. There are investigations to complete, and that includes IAs. And so even if it came from an outside source and people are like, your agency this and this officer this, at least allow that agency to make it right before you think that it's being swept underneath the rug. I've seen IAs last a very long time. Even months, months. Yep. A lot so, of times rightfully so, because for that officer, they could be wrongfully accused. Yes. Um, and there's times where, you know, they're exonerated. And uh, because what was reported, it, crazy, crazy to think, but maybe that officer is a good officer and arrested someone and they're upset that this officer was able to put together a good case on them. So they call in false accusations right. or their family member does It's Oh, man, I know, that, I know you, that would never, there's happen. no way that could happen, but theoretically, I mean, shot in the dark, <laughs> right? That would never, like it may or may not have happened within my career. Let me give a little story time here because we're going <clears> to <throat> jump into the outside. We've talked about the N word. We may mention a little bit more about that, but the outside is typically what people associate. And when I say outside, it's, it's coming from. A citizen. It's coming from someone that's not within law enforcement that's asking for police accountability. We wanted to hit both because we want all of you to realize that agencies are doing these things. There are strict rules in place. And if an agency is covering for officers, that agency needs to be held accountable. We are not arguing that. And and Cam and I will be two of the first that we if we ever heard about that and it came across as a news thing, we're we're gonna talk about it. Because it's something that we don't want in our profession. It's something that gives law enforcement a black eye. And it's not doing me any good. It's not doing Cam any good. It's not doing law enforcement nationwide any good. <clears throat> but here's a little situation that I was a part of. And I give this and I will have a point. We were called, and this was years ago. Myself and another officer, we were, we were first on scene, but we were called to a big disorderly incident, possible family fight, where the only information that we had, now, now granted, uh, we were the first two on scene, but there were more officers on the way because of the information that we had. But we had information come in from dispatch that at a 
city apartment complex, there were people outside, and it was two large groups fighting. And as we're en route, we get the new information. You know, groups are arguing with one another. Two men are actively fighting. And so we, we lights and siren, code response. And, and, and again, every agency has a little, when I say code response, we have lights and sirens. We're going to the situation because it's active. People could get hurt. It could escalate. Um, escalate and as law enforcement, we're trying to uh, de-escalate the situation before it gets worse and contain it. <clears throat> so this officer and I get on scene first and we immediately, we're calling for other officers because it is, it's a large group. But what we found out and what we assess when we started getting in and started giving commands and most people started backing up. There was a lot of group that was yelling at one another, but we saw the two individuals, the two adult males that were physically fighting with one another. And so one officer took one, I took the other, and we both ended up taking the males to the ground because they were actively fighting. And then they, it turned into an active resistance. This guy that I took to the ground um, was actively resisting me as I'm trying to handcuff. But the problem is when you have sympathizers, Cam, you know how this goes, the situation's out of control and you have people advancing. We talked earlier about people just coming into your space with a cell phone. Well, this was a situation where I had a female lay her hands on me as I'm trying to take someone into custody. The only thing I can do, because this was a big man, and I'm confident with my, my, my physical abilities, but I can only do so much with someone that outweighs me by a good 60 pounds. Well, when someone else lays their hands on me, I'm going to yell and I'm going to give a command for you to get off me. And that's what I did. Well, more officers arrive. Long story short, we get the situation under control. And guess what happened with me? I got a complaint. I got a complaint from the lady that put her hands on me. And she went to my sergeant and she just wanted my sergeant to know that she wanted to file a complaint on that officer over there and she pointed at me and so as my sergeant was supposed to do he took the complaint and I mean he had the conversation with her and she wanted my sergeant to know and she wanted me to listen to as we're we're getting these other individuals in the back of our police cars because they were under arrest at that point she wanted my sergeant to know that never in her life has she been talked to like that by a police officer? Never in her life has she been yelled at like that by anybody, let alone a police officer. Now, please understand, <clears throat> I give this as an example because I need listeners to realize. Most people would look at, I would hope that most people would look at that situation and say, common sense, she needs to stay back, mm -hmm. right? She felt like she was telling me that the individual that I was arresting was not the aggressor. I know for a fact that's what she was thinking because that was her statement during the investigation. The problem is you came in in a hairy situation and put your hands on a police officer. Without me letting go of the individual that I was already struggling to get into custody... I chose to use another tool, which was my voice, and I yelled. 
probably yelled like a lion, probably did yell at her extremely loud, but the point was, was to get her back. That, in and of itself, she felt, I need to make a complaint. Now, think nationwide. All the situations that happen, that are dynamic, that there's a lot of moving parts, that officers are outmanned, um, whatever the case may be, you think of the scenario and then think to yourself, is it always good for individuals like that? Because I'm sure she walked away and thought, I did my part. That police officer can never speak to me like that. He should never speak to any citizen like that. And these individuals gather other individuals and they tell their story. And then another individual says, man, I had a similar incident. And then those individuals get a group. And then those individuals say, let's start lobbying. And then they go after someone and say, we need to go to the state legislation. And then the state legislation starts coming up with these radical police reform laws. I give that as a very true scenario because this is the snowball effect that turns into some really gnarly but very unfair legislation against police officers. Mm -hmm. And that's how this goes. That's how it snowballs. So from an outsider's point of view, it's not always good. But there are times it is good. And I think that there's a lot of things. Like, again, you're talking about the 1994 thing. If you see a problem, the agencies are sweeping things underneath the rug on an inward type thing. Then it takes an outward approach in saying outward groups, whether you call yourself a police, watching a, a group, whatever the case may be, nonprofit, blah, blah, blah. Um, sometimes it ends up being good legislation because accountability is good no matter what in life. We have always, since we started this podcast, have always said police accountability is important. But some of the laws are not. And some of the laws are making our job harder. And some of the radical ideas, because people don't understand police work, they don't understand every situation. They don't, believe it or not, always know their rights. They don't, believe it or not, always know elements to every law. Right? Well, and that's what's crazy is, I mean, you look at some of the examples we brought up as far as traffic issues. They're saying they're creating these laws against law enforcement to, you know, police the police or protect the black and brown citizens. But what they're not realizing is everyone, not everyone, but the criminal element is utilizing that to their advantage. Yes. Same thing can be said for juveniles across the nation. There's a huge push that law enforcement can do very, very little with juveniles. Like I'm, I'm very little research. I don't care what state you're in research, what police can do with juveniles there. It's, it's very little to the point of even really a lot of times communicating with the, the juveniles without a parent there. And if they do get in trouble, there's very little that can be done as far as them going to a detention center or anything. So what happens? Organized crime type stuff. Who are you going to use to run your drugs? Mm -hmm. Who are you going to use to run your weapons? Yes, sir. Because there is very little a cop can do. Even if you are carrying a distributable, distributable amount of drugs, you're probably just going to get like uh, some sort of referral to a, a court system yeah. and be released. And maybe not even interviewed because parents couldn't be there. Yeah. If, if 
I'm telling you, if you would just kind of look at some of the stuff that is being passed because they feel like the police need to be policed, like they're wrongfully manipulating juveniles during interviews or something. I mean, I'm not going to say that their thought process is negative in nature. They're probably really trying to think what's best for juveniles. What they don't realize is there's always going to be a criminal element who's going to try to capitalize always. on that. It's almost like they, they swing so far on the pendulum one way that they don't consider all the things and the negative that it's going to bring about. Going back to our last episode, remember the, the Texas loophole that we talked about with Uvalde. Your, your, your legislators obviously aren't perfect themselves. You know, the, the politicians, the attorneys that all get together, put together these laws, they are not perfect. We understand that. However, why not bring in more? Why not have citizens? Why not have law enforcement make these decisions to where we can all come together and say, we have a, a pretty good sample size. We have expert opinions and other outside opinions but it just seems like that doesn't happen it just seems like uh, politicians and the attorneys and all these laws that are being put into place especially the ones that are looking for the push of police reform nationwide no more but it's all about police brutality I mean that we're we we are giving small examples but the majority of the push and the sexy that's in the mainstream media is police brutality. It's police shooting. But apply what we've already talked about in terms of what you don't understand as a citizen, how laws work, what officers can and cannot do, what articulable facts did the officer have leading to the fight. Every individual that was there with the example that I gave didn't know what the reporting party gave to dispatch. It could have been someone within that group and saying, look, I'm part of a group and it's out of hand and it, boom, there's a fight going on and we got about 20 people out here. But more than likely, it was another resident within the apartment complex that was like, yeah, man, I'm looking outside right now and there's a big group of people fighting right in the, the grassy area right by building so-and-so. Yes, it looks like two men are physically fighting. I can't see weapons. Oh, man, that one may look like it. There are so many variables that the average citizen doesn't know. And so when officer, you have to understand that when an officer is responding to a scene, it's not just what we see when we get there. It's the information given to us prior to the point that we get there. And then we take the information that was given to us prior and we apply it to what we are now looking at when we arrive on scene. But then those situations are ever revolving. Do they have weapons? Can I see their hands? How many people am I dealing with? Please understand that these knee-jerk legislative, I don't care which, we'll call them laws, that's fine. I got other adjectives I want to use for them. But it is not doing the community or your police officers any good. It's actually harming them. Mm. My two cents. But please understand that there are things in place. Is it a perfect system? No. But please understand also that even when we're dealing with police brutality, you don't know everything that the officer is seeing and doing within that situation. Are you the expert in brutality? Do you know what an officer is allowed to do and not allowed to do? 
when someone resists us, we by law are allowed to escalate it up to the next point. And what I'm saying is if you're actively physically resisting us, we can go to, we've talked about this in past episodes, even with Jared, we're allowed to go to a tool to affect the arrest, which could be a taser. Depending on your physical attack of us or resistance of us, we may go to a baton. We may go to pepper spray. We, but that allows us to take a step above. Now, if you get us to a point where we believe that you are a physical and a life-threatening threat to us, we will take it to the ultimate step. We've talked about this. We've hit upon it. We know that there have been incidents where Charges to a police officer need to come. We give that. Mm-hmm. We're not arguing that. But please understand, not all of these laws, especially what we've talked about, talking about Washington as we open this episode, there are legislative laws that are being put into place, not good for officers, not good for the citizens. Yeah, yeah I, please uh, reach out to us, uh, social media, is uh, the best avenue. Um, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, if there's examples or any questions you have on how stuff is handled. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, obviously, before law enforcement, I had no idea how this stuff would happen, where it would go if I called in and said, hey, he was mean to me, or he did this, or I saw your officer doing that. Um, at, because you're, you're 100% right. There are a ton of times where people just don't really know what's going on. I know during the whole Floyd thing, um, of Minneapolis, there was a lot of distrust with law enforcement that swept across the nation, actually, pretty yes. hard. We live in a very supportive community. But I remember right after that happened, we had um, taken a couple people into custody that was going through a few different shopping centers, stealing a bunch of stuff. And we had them sitting out on a curb, just gave them a bottle of water. They had just finished it, tossed the trash into the trash can. And some citizen came by and, you know, acted like we were the most cruel people in the world because they were sitting on the curb. Yeah. But they, they didn't see all the other stuff. And, and so, you know, just, just know that uh, for the most part, law enforcement is doing a good job. There is a very, very small percentage very small. that causes the black guys to, to law enforcement. But and again, back to the media stuff, that's what media loves reporting. And so it makes it look like it's an epidemic, but it's not. Right. We promise you that. But yeah, hit us up and we'll continue to clear these corners. Like that,